It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Total Schemers Podcast. My name is Sibyl. Today, I'm joined by Jed. Say hello, Jed. All right, mate. Uh, we're joined by Paul, say hello Paul Hey, what's the crack? We're also joined by Jake, say hello Jake Hello mate, you alright? And we're also joined by Billy Boys, it's the uh, it's an old school lineup. This it's, it's the five original screamers Our team is doubled in size I mean, I don't know how we, we didn't We didn't arrange this lineup on purpose No one asked for it, but it's, it's here so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I suppose we'll just get on with things we had a good weekend of Premier League football. Uh, I'm going to come All right to... for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> a good weekend for Paul. <laughs> Great weekend. He's seen, he's seen, the, seen the Villa lose and he's seen Liverpool win. He's made up. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a lot of good games. Uh, I'm going to come to going to JK Boy first. Uh, I want to start with West Ham, Newcastle. I thought, we, I thought mm. this would be fairly straightforward for West Ham, given that Newcastle were without... Kieran Trippier and Alan St. Maximan, but they, they managed to get something out of the game. What were your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, they did, mate. You know, watching watching it, I, I was the same sort of camp as you. I thought West Ham had, had, had bounced back and and start to get their season back on track again because the last couple of weeks, it's, let's say, the wheels have fallen off a little bit on that top four push, but it slowed down, I think it's the, the, the right way to go. <laughs> um, but Newcastle, credit to them. I mean, Eddie Howe has done a, a fantastic job in turning that their fortunes around no you know helped largely by Kieran Trippier and, and Sam Maximan who both went out but you know obviously that that culture spread to the rest of the players because you know it, it's working and, and Newcastle are looking quite good now I think it's probably a, a way to say it but I think the best part of the game is what's come out after and Chris Wood meowing at Kurt Zuma I don't know if you saw that <laughs> uh, the entire game straight, apparently for like 90 minutes apparently. yeah I think <laughs> I think that's the highlight of the game for me is definitely yeah. that. You could take the man out of Burnley, as they say. <laughs> I mean, I, I, a bunch of your names for you, for you, Jake. I mean, we're still, we're still hearing booze when, um, when, uh, whenever Kurt Zimmer gets on the ball. <laughs> and he, he deserves him. So. Right, so I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be wounded by that um, deeply. <laughs> 
Uh, Jed, I'll come. I'll come to you, mate. Like, what were your thoughts in the match? I thought that Newcastle earned the point that they got. To be fair, um, yeah. From what I saw of the game, it was it was pretty even. Um, and I thought that they gave West Ham a good game. You know, I, I'm sure many of us would have been expecting West Ham to to turn them over. Uh, well, not necessarily turn them over, but but look comfortable. Uh, they never really looked comfortable. Newcastle didn't really allow them to. Um, I thought Joe Linton actually had a really good game in midfield. Um, As he always does. He's becoming a bit of a, a club <laughs> yeah. legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a bit of a cult hero up there now, isn't he? He's just transformed yeah. mm. into uh, you know a, a pretty decent centre mid. I think that was, I've seen someone saying that's where he's played before in his career. Um, and Newcastle signed him as a striker. You know, it sums up Steve Bruce, don't it? But, Wait, um, but yeah, I think that, that, in this form, apparently so, yeah, from what I've heard. Oh, that, that, that takes some of it away. It doesn't look as so much of a genius stroke. I thought this was a, a new thing. <laughs> the, the Eddie Howard scene. Yeah, appara- like, apparently I need to field 11 players. Yeah. You're not a striker. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just keep <laughs> as far away from the box as possible. <laughs> I don't know. Like... I might I might be wrong, but I'm sure I've I've heard that he spent the majority of his career in cent- central midfield. Um, well, that's disappointing. But <laughs> I don't know whether that's true or not. But um, either way, like he's bossing it at the minute. And at, at, at this rate, you can see Newcastle staying up because they are playing really well. Because um, still with the momentum they've picked up, they've the mm, definitely. Yeah. I personally, I don't think they'll go down. I think they've they've signed decent players. I think you know, although Chris Wood is not perhaps banging them in for Newcastle. I do think he's having a positive effect. They are a better team with him. He has a presence. He's a nuisance. He's a Burnley-type player. And the players generally know how to make themselves a nuisance on the pitch and, and at least influence the game if they're not banging goals. Uh, as they say, I think Dan Byrne was a, was a key part of them getting anything out today. I think if that's a, a sort of Lascelles, Scar, or even Kieran Clark sort of centre-back pairing, then I don't think they get much from this game at all. I think Dan Byrne was, was hugely important. To, to them getting anything out of this game. Paul, um, where, where do you stand Newcastle staying up? Yeah, it looks like from the recent form that they could be. Um, just looking at the table, Leeds and Everton are a point ahead or on the same points and they're both not in free fall, but Everton have had mixed results and Leeds haven't really got going this season. So yeah, if Newcastle can continue their momentum, it looks like they'll stay up and fairly easily at the moment. Mm. They're the one team down there with like upward trajectory. So yeah, it definitely looks like Bringing Eddie Howe in was a bit of a masterstroke where people probably doubted it at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's probably as good a manager as they could have got. Um, speaking of teams that are kind of getting dragged into that relegation battle, I really do fear for Brentford. Brentford have only won once this year, and it was on the 2nd of January um, when, they faded, <laughs> when they faced Villa. <laughs> um, speaking of Villa... <laughs> um, we're not coming to Villa games just yet. We're staying with Brentford. Um, Arsenal... Got the win against Brentford. There was a bit of unfinished business there, obviously, the opening game of the season. Brentford were all over Arsenal and took three points. Um, Arsenal have paid them back by taking three points from them. Billy, what were your thoughts in the game? I think from what I've seen of the game, I think it was a four o'clock kickoff, so I was obviously watching the Villa game, um, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> from from what I saw of the game, it, Arsenal completely dominated, really. Um I think Brentford seemed to be lucky to get that um, consolation goal back in the 94th minute. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with Arsenal and how they've kicked on a bit this season. 
I saw a stat um, earlier saying, I think at this point last season, they had 31 points and now they're on 42, I think. Um, so that just shows the the progress that they've made over this past year or so. And I, th- I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe is just incredible, isn't he? I, I, how he's starting on the bench for them for this past couple of months. Obviously, Martinelli's come in and taken his opportunity with both hands, but... To have someone like Emil Smith-Rowe coming off the bench for you. I mean, when Martinelli first got that starting place and Smith-Rowe came on, he was still scoring a few goals, um, which just shows how how good of a player he is. And for me, he's got to be playing. But, you know, when you've got so many attacking options, obviously none of them are strikers to take over Lacazette's role. It's always going to be hard to, to, to fit them all in, but... That that front three or front four, if you like, of Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe, and Odegaard is is certainly one for the future anyway. Yeah, I think obviously I think Arteta's quite lucky in the fact that Lacazette is still actually playing fairly decent. He's not he's not been terrible in anything. Like mm. Obviously they were looking for a sort of replacement for him. They they wanted to go spend big money on Dusan Vlahovic as a sort of he's a he's an out and out centre forward. So they did look to sort of for a long-term replacement for Lacazette and, and they should be given his age and given, obviously, if Lacazette gets injured, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a wee bit of trouble. Um, but like you said, they, they do have the depth and sort of the wide areas. You know, Martinelli is, is a player that's coming through and he's an exciting player. But Smith-Rowe is, uh, I'd agree with you, Billy, on the left-hand side, I think he's, he's he's particularly good. I think he's he's for his age as well. He's, he's a particularly mm. good player. Uh, I want to go back to, to Brentford, lads. I'm going to get in where I, I sort of sort of preemptive shout I think Brentford might go down and I think they're in they're, they're starting to really look like a championship side I think the 2-1 result really flattered Brentford you know they got lucky by a set piece to even get the goal in the first place uh, but they did not look they're starting to really look like a, a championship side I think they've lost mm-hmm. some of that momentum I don't even recall them winning away from home this, this season I think they did really really early on um, in the season but since then um, they, they struggle away from home uh, and and the home form's not is, is dropped off particularly as well. So I think they might go down. Jake, I'll come to you, mate. What, what do you think? No, I agree with you, Simo. Actually, I was saying this the other day to um, to my dad. You know, Brentford they do look they do look like a championship side at the moment. They play uh, like a championship side. They right do, now. yeah. They def- and they I think worryingly they defend like a championship side as well. You, you look across their squad, sort of in general, and. You struggle to, to, to pick your Premier League quality players, and and normally in Championship sides when they come up, you can see you can see the, the the lads that fit in, and you go he'll play in the league next season, and probably the only one that you can see is Ivan Tony, but even him, you know, he hasn't looked the Tony from a couple of years, well, last season in the Championship. So I agree, I struggle I struggle to look at to Brentford and, and wonder where they're going to get results from because. You know, Newcastle are on the up. Leeds are still a good side, and like you know, a, a, a very mixed season for them. You know, Watford's probably going to go down as well. Burnley, Dyche, will, Dyche can always get something out of a Burnley side, <laughs> and, and and Norwich. Dean Smith's doing a great job there. You know, he's he's a couple of weeks ago we'd have said Norwich would were dead and buried, but you know, Dean the sides around them, Everton. You know, Everton. Brentford, Leeds, these these sides. I think it's not it's not a given that they're staying up this season. I think it's definitely tighter down the bottom than, than we all probably would have thought it would have been back in yeah. sort of December, November. 
that's what um, I was going to say. You know, if if you're looking at, at sort of November, December, you you'd probably picked out your your three teams to get relegated. But now there's six or seven sides in there where you could go. Well, any one of those could potentially be be relegated. And I think hmm. I think Brentford are definitely in that that category. Speaking of teams in the relegation zone, Burnley for me played the game of their their game of the season. Um, they were fantastic, absolutely fantastic against uh, Brighton this weekend. Uh, Weghorst is fantastic. He's so influential. He's one of the most complete centre-forward performances I've seen from a player this season. Um, even rivals that, that Harry Kane performance against Man City uh, under Jose Mourinho for me, he's really such a good player. I mean, I think... Uh, if Arsenal were in the market for a striker, I think this is where they should have went once they failed on Dusan Vlahovic. Um, Paul, going to come to you, mate. What were your thoughts on this match? This is, yeah, some results for uh, Burnley. Um, and it seems like they just dominated as well. Like, to win 3-0 away from home is pretty much unheard of for them. Um, I actually watched the highlights on Burnley at CTV and I was like watching just two lads in the stadium just going absolutely nuts <laughs> <laughs> when each goal went in but uh, the two the first goal and Lennon's goal were just incredible finishes oh, yeah yeah. Um, so yeah like if they can get results like this for the rest of the season then you're thinking they'll stay up as well so it's going to be very interesting but obviously that's the issue so far that they haven't been able to do this but yeah, like you said, Veghorst has kind of given them an extra something. And maybe, uh, yeah, like obviously it seems like an upgrade on Chris Ward at the moment anyway. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's, he's influential in all three goals. and all three goals, mm. he, he um, obviously he scores the first. He sets up the second. And the third, he actually he wins the ball high up the pitch and sets off the attacking movement. Um, so he's, he's usually influential. He's a player that I'm admiring very well. I think he could really play at a top club as well. Um, I don't want to like, slap Isn't the there, Peter Crouch um... tag on him because I feel like it's an easy one to do. <laughs> <laughs> but he could have as just a good a... A... if he carries on his projector, he could have just as good as career. I heard a stat go, on Jed. match of the day. Um, I heard a stat on match of the day that said of his like his time in the Bundesliga, Weghorst only Lewandowski scored more goals than him. Um, so it's definitely on Chris Wood. Like you slap Chris Wood in the Bundesliga, and that's you know that's not the case, is it? So. Mm. Um, I think he's definitely upgrade. <laughs> he point. seems to improve. Seems to have improved uh, Burnley straight away, and they've got games in hand on all the teams around them due to COVID. Uh, that could be massive in in the running, like in this this business end of the season for them. Um, if if you're asking me who's going down, I think Norwich and Watford go, but I can't call who's going to fill that third spot. I mean, it's a difficult one. Uh, I'm going to go to speaking of Watford I'm going to stay on Watford I'm going to come to Billy Boy and get um, his opinion on Watford because I actually think Watford were particularly strong in this game their counter attacking play is some of the best I've seen this season really really Ismaili Assar was hugely influential in this game I think the, the, the front three of Saar Dennis and King was actually it looked really really good it seemed to work mm. real um, and I think this, the scoreline probably flatters um, or deceives the flatter I think Watford could add a few more. That was his Sissoko chance as well. And yeah, I think uh, I'll go to Billy. Come on, it, was a, it must have been a rough day, tough day at the office for you. 
Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> um, t- typically, it was Ismail Asar's first start in three months or something. Um, so that was always going to give them a boost. And Dennis has had a fantastic season and King probably hasn't had the the kind of season he wants to or he was hoping to, should I say, really. But he's still a very good footballer. Um, however, I do think that they'll go down. Uh, game on Saturday, Villa were just poor all over, really. Um, they had what we allowed Watford way too many chances, although we kept the majority of the ball. Um, the goal that we conceded was really, really poor. If it wasn't for Martinez, we'd have conceded another two or three. Yeah, I think so. Um, Big saves from Emmy Martinez. Massive saves, particularly that one in the first half against Dennis after he cut in, took on a few players and then got that shot away. How Martinez saved that is just beyond me. Um, Yeah, so... There, there are a lot of positives to take from uh, for Watford from that game at the weekend. However, from a Villa perspective, it was just really, really poor. Um, however, we're aside in transition. We need these results are going to come, and this is something that has really frustrated me. And I'll go in real deep dive into it on the uh, total villains. I think we're supposed to be recording that tomorrow. Um, but it annoys me because you've got the Villa fan saying, right, we need to change things up. It's it's not working. It's, no, no. Be stubborn with your tactics. Gerard has an idea of how you want to play. For, long, for short-term success is hindering the long-term gain if we change up our tactics. Now's the perfect opportunity. I don't think we're going to get relegated by any stretch of the imagination and Europe's completely off the cards. So the rest of this season is completely redundant from a Villa perspective. We need to just continue how we are. Rome wasn't built in a day. You saw Klopp with Liverpool. It still took him a bit of time to get them how they want him playing. And I think Michael Owen put it perfectly. I tweeted it out over the weekend um, that we are a side in transition. And by staying stubborn with the tactics, you'll you'll push out the weak players, Mm. essentially. I um, think everything you were saying there was completely sensitive until you said Michael Owen got it bang on. And then I, oh no, I yeah. immediately, it, it, you, lost, you lost a lot of credibility when you said that, Billy Boy. Yeah, he, 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 tends to speak, he tends to speak a lot of crap. However, he, he was very, he was spot on. I know it, it, it's bizarre to say. It really is bizarre to say that. You're he, making he a really good argument until, until you came to that point as well. I was like really on board with that. I was like, yeah, Billy, that's fucking, that's really all. No, no, I'm not. I disagree with that. I strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to come across here Arch Nemesis, Nemesis Paul and, and get, get his thoughts um, the one thing I will say is I think Gerard's given far too much licence to too many players to shoot from distance he's a playing Watford he's got the bulk of the ball he's had the bulk of the possession why aren't you trying to create more, higher quality chances mm. the amount of wayward strikes from outside the box um, and that match Nine, was just 19 a shots of and one on target yeah it's, yeah it's it was just a, so wasteful you know it's, it's wasteful off right. possession and the you, final third of the pitch as, in the words of Michael Owen if you don't score you hardly ever win yeah it's true man that's true <laughs> he did get a bang on that day <laughs> uh, uh, as I was saying across here Arch Nemesis Paul uh, where do you pick apart Billy's argument 
<laughs> I was going to say I agree. Um, no, I don't know. I, what can you say? Like Villa should obviously be beating Watford at home. And then I just saw loads of reaction to it's all about Gerard really at the moment. People saying give him, give him time. And then you, you talk to Celtic fans and they're just like, he won one trophy in four years with Rangers. And they're just like, he's not a good manager. And obviously that's completely biased, but it speaks for yeah, itself. I wouldn't like go one. asking many Celtic but, fans. You're getting a biased opinion. I said, that's about as biased as you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, but the, it still remains one trophy in four years. And you're just like, with Rangers. So you have to think about that as well. But... Yeah, he's like he's only new. He's just trying to change things. But uh, yeah, he he speaks a very good game. But like, how long will Villa fans put up with it as well? Because I think that's two or three weeks in a row where he comes out with his usual guff about like, ah, oh, we're not at it, blah blah blah. He puts on a serious face, and you're just like, you still lost. Like, and you've had two or three weeks now to do this, and you still can't beat Watford at home. So yeah, I don't I don't really know what to think of him at the moment or Villa. But uh, yeah, it was actually, it was still nice to see Hodgson just coming back. <laughs> and like, what, he's had a couple of weeks at Watford and he just sets it's them very, up and wins the game. It's very warming. It's very warming. Yeah, it, it really is. And Ray Lewington uh, there as well. They give themselves a comfort sight. For, uh, especially fans <laughs> I, of our age, you know. I, uh, I, like, <laughs> I forgot that he was their manager. When I was watching Match of the Day, I was like, is that Roy? And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, it is. And I was like, what's he, what's he doing in Watford? And then I they, like twig that he was back managing. And I was like, sure, that's Roy Hodgson. Like, I thought he'd retired. Like, proper like threw me off. <laughs> but it does warm the heart. It does warm the heart. Yeah, he's <laughs> like everybody's it. everybody's favourite football granddad. Yeah, 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 literally football granddad. Literally. I think if he's just, football just... granddad, then like Sam Aldice is the, the, the weird uncle with it. Jack's deeply offended with that one. Yeah. Stay with you, Jakey boy. Um, Liverpool played Norwich City. And they got the result in the end, but there was a, a lot of poor football played by for, um, Liverpool on this day. What, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, mate. I thought that for, I wouldn't say poor, Liverpool were just wasteful for, for quite a lot of the game. Getting into the right areas, but but not really doing much with the ball. And when they did, that, you know, it, the, the chances they had were very wasteful. It took Norwich uh, taking the lead for us to, to really kick into gear. Norwich scored, the crowd then, you know, sort of fired up a bit and, and got on the players' back. But it was, for me, the, the introduction of, of Thiago and it, it became the, the Thiago show when he came on and he just showed everyone why he's one of the best midfielders in the world. I don't think you're giving Devok and Ege enough credit here. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'll come on. <laughs> but, um, you know, Thiago coming on and playing 40-yard no-look passes across the pitch and, and, and just really like setting the tempo up for Liverpool and, and dictating you know the, the, the play from there and Sadio Mane obviously coming back scoring an overhead kick always nice Salah uh, 150 goals for him and Diaz scoring his first goal so you know in the end I think I think it, it was quite comfortable but there was that sort of 10 minute period where you just thought oh it's going to be one of those days where we get beat by <laughs> Norwich, <laughs> Norwich, Norwich and Anfield you know turn us over but I mean, it was uh, it was it was the class the class in the end that, that saw us through and, and honestly and that, is and that front three were, were 
they're really good again. As poor a 60 minutes as I've seen from Liverpool this season, like mm. uh, from a midfielder's perspective, I thought Naby yeah. and Oxley Chamberlain have probably one of the, some of the worst games in, in Liverpool shirts for me. I love the formation we switched to to, to completely take control yeah. of the game. They sort of 4 2 4. Because um, I seen Thiago sort of mime it to the other players as he came on yeah. the pitch, and I was like, normally we kind of, if we're going super aggressive, it's like a sort of 4 2 3 1. But that, that sort of flat four um, that they played with Thiago and Henderson in midfield, they were just good enough. Both they worked, didn't it? Yeah, just worked super well, and it absolutely picked um, what, um, sorry, Norwich apart after it. Um, Paul, come to you, come back to you, mate. Um, what, what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I have to kind of agree with Jake. And like the main thing I put it down to the poor performance was Gomez and Simicas. I basically just not having Robertson and Alexander Arnold. I think it made a huge difference and we just didn't have the same outlet, didn't have the same tempo. And yeah, I thought Gomez, like he's obviously not a right back and not no nowhere near as good as Trent, but I just thought he was quite wasteful and real dodgy on the ball. Even I think for the first goal, he loses the ball and somehow like kind of turns around and back heels it and somehow comes out of a 50-50 with the ball. So that just kind of summed up his day. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then the second half, we uh, it was one of those where it's like, if we don't score in the next five minutes, this is going to be a draw or we're going to lose. But yeah, and then it turned out mm. nice and easy. And yeah, is I thought Henderson was excellent. I thought Henderson was the man of the match. Yeah, I think we need to find I think it's just all finding um, a sort of use for Gomez he obviously has a high quality player he's not played a whole lot of football recently um, yeah. but they're finding it hard to put him in at centre back obviously because um, Matip and Van Dijk are in terrific form and, and Kanati every time he's called upon delivers so it's hard to get a, a game for Gomez and, uh, I think, I think I that's think... The, the big one for, for Gomez is you know Matip's come this season's played 28 games and, and the last couple of years he's, he's barely played over 20 you know I think a lot of the poor fans are, all, were almost, are almost expecting Matip to, to sort of break at any minute but he's, he's actually having a, a really really touch wood injury free season and, and when Canate is coming you know you're not going to drop a player like that who's coming in and having you know brilliant games as well so like I agree with you Samo Gomez would probably have started more this season if Matip had customarily broken down as he, yeah. he normally tends to do Imagine that. Normally, not normally like Matip is the sort of first choice partnership mm. for Van Dijk when he's fit but normally we get a few games out and then he takes a niggle it's never yeah. really sometimes it's a long term injury battle I'm not going to lie but a lot of time it's quite he gets quite niggly in injuries and, out, and he gets out, a yeah. sort of like your two or three week jobs that mm. he gets and then obviously there's, there's colour that's needed for then but obviously Matip is particularly fit this season he is having probably one of his best seasons at Liverpool. Um, hugely improved his game since coming to Liverpool, and I think he's he's improving every single season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Gomez, for me, the, the delivery just wasn't... It wasn't good enough, his, his delivery in particular. I mean, Trent is, by numbers, the most creative player in the league, and any time you believe about obviously we are missing. He's, a, he's our Kevin De Bruyne, sort of like, you take him out, he's a, we lose a lot of key passes, we lose a lot of quality deliveries into the box, we lose a lot of you know momentum going forward, so it doesn't really surprise me that we weren't particularly good in full-back positions. I think Paul was maybe a wee bit harsher on Samarcus, I didn't think he was much of the problem, I think he was aggressive and, and better than Gomez, but um, not not to Sir Andy Robles uh, standards. Um, <laughs> let's come out can of that, boys. Can I just... Um... Can I just mention something that Simo said at the beginning? Because it's just, I've been thinking about it for the last few minutes. And the more I think about it, the funnier it gets. 
And <laughs> when Tiago when Tiago came on and obviously switched the formation up to like a four two four, I just love the idea of Liverpool having to put four men up front to beat Norwich. That is what we had to do. That's just that's Pete Barclays for me. That's amazing. Just Pete Premier League. It was was a proper flat four, like flat front four. Like each of those four, the front four were on the last man as well. Um, It was was great, but like uh, what you know against the back four? Yeah. That's uh, you know a page out of Alex Ferguson's book. He loved doing that late on in a match, just getting four strikers on a pitch, didn't he? Um, you know, and it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, so, yeah. I think I did think that um, I thought Mane took his goal really well, as did uh, Luis Diaz. Great finish mm. from him. Yeah, I mean any any overhead any overhead kick that goes in the net is taken well, in my opinion. You know? <laughs> Even if it's an accident, if it's some somehow finds its way to the net, then it's uh, you know it was a good overhead kick, not quite Danny Welbeck level, but it was decent. Uh, <laughs> not, I don't know if we've had a Danny Welbeck goal overhead kick this season. Um, disappointing, disappointing. A poor season, write it off. <laughs> I'm going to stay with you, Jed. Um, obviously, Everton were coming off the back of a three 0 win and in this match week so you'd expect them to carry some of that momentum they did not they were absolutely dominated by a fantastic Southampton performance uh, what, what were your thoughts? Um, I was not expecting Everton to go to Southampton and get anything to be honest like Frank Lampard's come in he's won one game um, I, I don't see them going on like a massive run I think they're in they're in a lot of trouble to be honest Everton at the minute um, and Southampton to their credit, yeah, I think before a ball was kicked, we all had them written off this year, just just purely for the players that they lost in the summer. Um, yep. But they've done really well. They're playing really well at the moment. They're, they're a solid mid-table side. Uh, and, you know, it's tough for Everton to go to places like that at the minute and, and come away with points. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not really a surprise to me that, that they haven't quite fully gelled yet or that, you know, the new signings, Daddy Ali, etc., in the Everton team well by the end of the season don't know but um, I don't think that they'll be much higher than like 15th come the end of the season let's hope they go down no that's bias that's bias well there's a certain sort of there's certain momentum that can be taken from, from a 3-0 victory three goals and a clean sheet that's that's a good performance on any sort of day of the week um, but the Southampton were better and Every category you could possibly imagine in a football in terms, Southampton were better than Everton on the day. But what was the main problem for Everton, Billy? I'm not really too sure. I'm not really too sure. I think just quickly getting back to that game against Leeds that they won 3-0. I think that game you really have to take a pinch of salt with as well because they're playing a Leeds game, a Leeds team, sorry, that had just played in midweek as well. So with the with the way Leeds played, they are very often <laughs> very fatigued playing Wednesday, Saturday kind of thing. So that game you had to take with a pinch of salt. Um, but yeah, this game, it was it was a bit of a weird one. I did expect Southampton to, to beat them. Um, and I've been very impressed with Southampton this season, as, as we all have been. I think a lot of us had them to go down, like Jed said. But um, the problem with Everton, I'm, I'm really not sure. They just... It just never seemed to really get going for them 
um, against Southampton. Um, it looked toothless to me. Yeah, it looked absolutely. That, that, toothless that, I think that's the perfect word to be honest. Dominated. With you. Just yeah, dominated. well and truly. Yeah, I think with with Everton this year, one thing I've noticed, you know, they don't they don't. You know what's their what is their style of play? You can't, you know, pin them down. They're not a side that that presses. They're not a side that, that counter attacks. They don't keep hold of possession. You know, there's no like identity with that Everton side. You know, you hark back to to the Munda, You know, Moyes. They were hard to beat. They played you know four five one, and they were just a stubborn side that had grind grind teams down and grind out a result and. You know, this year under Rafa, they sort of started to try to be that. Then they tried to be counter-attacking and then they were just all over the place. And under Lampard, you know, it doesn't look like it's, it's changed at all. And I mean, I think they suffer from having three managers in quick succession that play football that doesn't resemble each other at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sometimes I think when, when, when clubs are looking for coaches, they kind of look for a coach that's going to fit a similar system. Not, not too different to what they're playing. But I think Carlo... And Rafa play complete polar opposites of football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... I don't really know the identity of this side. I don't know. I think they have some quality players within the side. But in terms of, like, goal creation and defending, I've seen them do quite a lot of different things over the past uh, two seasons. So I quite, quite agree with you, Jake, to be honest. I, I, I do think this is a side without an identity. Yeah, I, I, I that's, that's what I pull it down to. You know, I think midfield-wise, they they're, they're all over the place. You know, starting with with Ali and, and Van der Beek and Alan. You know, Alan's pretty much going to be left on his own for the for the entirety of the game because Van der Beek and and, and Deli Ali are going to be one up that pitch. And you know, it, against against the side which like Southampton, you know, which press and, and Harry and, and Hassel, which they did all game and they were fantastic again at it. You know. It just worked because every time Everton were on the ball, Southampton were just hassling them to get it back. And every time that they did, it just left that Everton, you know, that midfield so exposed. And, you know, Alan was obviously doing his best and trying to, to, to help out the defence, but. He is only one man. But yeah, exactly, exactly that. And, you know, I think. I think if you look at a side like Southampton, you know how they're going to play. They're, they're a similar sort of. You know, they've been playing the same football they've been playing the, the same entire football time years. under yeah. Ralph. Yeah, exactly. And and before that, you know, under under Poch and stuff like that, they had they had this, a similar sort of way. But yeah, like I, I, like I said earlier, you know, Everton are in free fall, and and you know, I think I think that they're in the, they're in real trouble now this season. And I think that if they don't, you know, book their ideas up, they will be sucked massively into that relegation battle. And yeah. I mean, you look at the face of it, is it a bit of a roll of a dice getting right Frank Lampard in? This isn't a manager that's got a proven record of, you know, coming into a side that's in, you know, really poor form and uh, and, and keeping them up. And the league, obviously, yeah. came into Chelsea when, when Chelsea weren't a particularly great side at the time, but there was still quite a lot of world-class players at Chelsea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think with his, with his time at Chelsea, it was a, it was kind sort of a win-win for him because they had a transfer embargo. He mm. couldn't really do an awful lot with with the first side in with his with the side in that first season, sorry, get my words out. Um so he kind of came in as a club legend and was like, right, let's let's try and do something. And he brought in the players like Tammy Abraham, um Mason Mount, Reese James, the the former t- uh, the latter two going on to to be pivotal players in that Chelsea side. Um and I think 
when he was given the freedom to spend the money, he didn't do it anywhere near well enough. Mm. You know, he, he spent 50 million on Werner, which obviously hasn't worked. So they spent 80 odd on Havertz, which is still very young, of course, but it hadn't, hasn't really worked out how they were hoping for it to. Um, so it's, it's it's a tough one. And for me personally, I really don't think Frank Lampard, at the minute anyway, is anywhere near an elite level manager. Well, he's spent, he's had, he's had a window. He's had a window and he's brought in, in players and now he's he'll be held accountable for, for, for his performance this season, you know, and it'll, it'll be, I think it's going to be a difficult task to marshal this side. Um, and I think bringing out of form players in to marshal a side that's... that's mm sort of almost in relegation although we'll say a relegation battle now um, is is a gamble but we'll see if it, it could pay off it could be I think the previous week against Leeds I think Van der Beek and Allen actually worked quite well together um, I think the sort of shape of, of Allen Van der Beek and Dele Alli is, is a bit too ambitious if I'm perfectly honest I think um, one, one final thing about just the sort of relegation battle in general is you know you look at the managers around and um you know, Eddie Howe's been in a relegation scraps before. Dyche obviously has. Roy the boy's been in the entire career. Too many to call. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Dean Smith and, and you know, the Lampard good managers. And, and that Everton side, they've not been anywhere near anything like that. So it'll be a test of their mentality as well, where where these other sides have been there, you know, done that. The managers have all got the t shirts and all worn them. And uh it will be it'll be interesting to see mentality wise how how this Everton side sort of sort of Sean Sean Dyche doesn't wear his t shirt. He just wears skins. Moving on, boys. Uh, Crystal Palace hosted Chelsea at the weekend. Romelu Lukaku broke a record. And that record was for the fewest fewest touches on a football pitch in the Premier League from a player that's played 90 minutes. Um, I'll come to you, Paul. Paul, what, what were your thoughts on the match? Uh, yeah, it seemed like a woeful match. Actually, I just saw the highlights. But um, yeah, that stat, I think, was just the story of the game. Everyone expected Chelsea to win. And it, it was a good goal, actually, in the end. But yeah, the Lukaku story is just... I think in one way... He, I feel like he gets a bit of an easy ride and then in another way, I, he doesn't get an easy ride. I just feel like, no, it doesn't come up enough that this guy was 100 million in the summer and everyone thought he was going to be the man to do it. And I think he played Arsenal in his first game and bullied the Arsenal defenders. But like, it was reported as if he was the first ever player yeah. to ever bully so did, Arsenal. So did I, Tony. <laughs> I was going to say, like, so did I, Tony. And uh, exactly. he did cost a hundred million. Well, I remember, I think it was Neville. <laughs> Yeah, just Neville banging on about it. But then yeah. I'm, one of my mates, a huge United fan, was just like, once it gets to the big teams, Lukaku's going to do nothing. And I think they might have... Did they play Liverpool then? And maybe someone else after that? And Lukaku hasn't done anything. He didn't do anything then. And he, f- since then, he's been very poor. Very, very poor. And I don't know, like, would if you're Chelsea, would you be looking to sell him? Like, obviously, you're not going to get 100 million for him, but just... He's probably miserable as well, I'm sure. I've seen, I've to seen, back to I've seen rumors. Yeah, yeah, I've seen rumors. That they the are wall. looking to offload him. Like I've seen in the summer they, um, to try try to get rid. They highlighted on match of the day something really interesting about Lukaku because they they obviously took the piss as well and said that stat about the seven touches, and then they they showed a couple of attacks where like he is 
in the box, basically unmarked, and players just aren't looking for him. There's something I was going to go to try and they're trying to take on the fullback rather than get the ball in or like trying to switch the ball out wide again instead of playing it through when he could have he could have been in if you you know if you played that pass. It's really like it's really weird. It's a weird situation. Either that like, they just don't want to pass it to him or he just doesn't want the ball and he's just there to pick up a wage and run about for a bit. Like it's Does- it is strange. I think it was because I've watched the highlights and I've obviously on match of day that analysis as well and I think it's a valid argument because there's a lot of too many passes for it to seem coincidence that the mm. that the option to pick Lukaku out wasn't taken and I mean at a certain point like as a as a striker only as good as his service is he getting the service he needs to provide I mean Inter Milani had it was the talisman player and, and he received the ball as much as he wants and the entire play was is based around him because he was a talismanic player at Chelsea there's quite there's a lot of superstars on that side you know your, your Pulisic's your, your N'Golo Cantes and, and Zayech and the, the, the players that play at a Champions League level and they're, they're going to back themselves to, to want to receive the ball as much as any other player in the pitch you know so I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I've seen what he can yeah, do. I've seen, right. I've seen his quality. I've seen his quality. I, I don't really think that he's just kind of dominated City and, and that that's all he's really capable of. Um, I think he was, I still remember when he was at Everton how much of a force mm. he was, and I think he's still that sort of player, even improved in certain regards. Mm. But I think he really needs to be a bigger focus in this Chelsea side if he wants to succeed. Mm. And I'm not sure Tuchel well, is going to base like- a side around one player. It's like they said, like Lineker was saying, when he, you know, when I was a striker, if if the winger wasn't putting a cross in, I'd be absolutely hammering him. Like Lukaku doesn't seem to either. He's not doing that. He's not absolutely screaming for the ball and hammering the players when he's not getting it, or he's just, you know, he's not. He's getting ignored. I, I can't. Mm. I can't imagine that they're ignoring him. Like, I, I think it's more like he's just not asked at the minute. <laughs> it just doesn't. Want I, th- to be I there. think. I think the problem with Lukaku and Chelsea is that they're not playing to his strengths. Every team he's been at where they've played to his strengths, he's done well at. Yeah. But in the in the middle of that Chelsea, in the to be the striker role for Chelsea, it's like you've seen it with Werner as well and Havertz as well when he's played there, the two two players that I just highlighted earlier. It hasn't worked for any of them when they're put in the when they're put in the middle of the pitch. So it's it's a weird one that for the, for all three of them not to perform to to their standards, if you like, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think it is because each of them, when you look at it individually, each of them are the, the talisman of their previous teams. Werner at Leipzig, Havertz at Bayer Leverkusen, and Romelu Lukaku, uh, obviously Inter Milan, Everton, West Brom. The list goes on. Um, but you're not playing to their strengths by doing that. So I think if they can get, if Chelsea can get a striker that suits their style of play, then they'll probably be fine. Absolutely fine. But at the minute, the players that they've bought in, they're not playing to their strengths, if you know what I mean. Well, I kind of see your point. I mean, like, what are, what are Lukaku's strengths? He's big and strong and impose himself in a centre-back and, and win the ball high up the pitch when I from a long-range pass, which Chelsea don't generally like to play at the time. I mean, it's very short-range pass and it's very quick movement. They like to play the ball into wide areas and 
and dominate midfields and things like that. He's not really required, as you've seen in, in Crystal Palace. He, he, they could have played without Lukaku, and the result would have been the exact same. He didn't really offer anything to that Chelsea side. There was a and at the time where he did actually receive the ball, he was he played himself offside. He went and ran too early. He ran too early, and obviously Zayich put away his um, uh, the the deflection from his, from a, a shot that was saved by him. But um, yeah, I think I think he needs to be a bit more selfish. I think he needs to sort of like for all like I'll use Ronaldo as example. If like if you don't pass the ball to Ronaldo, you know about it for the, like the next five minutes <laughs> of the match. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he he, he digs out players and. You know, you don't get to his goal tally if you're not absolutely ruthless in terms of demanding the ball. And I think Lukaku could, could maybe take a side that he could be a wee bit more ruthless. He could demand the ball a wee bit harder. He could be a wee bit more harsher on his teammates if he doesn't receive a pass when he's in a good bit of space. Um, but that, that's completely down to him. That's completely down to whether Tuchel's going to back him. Because if, if he's saying that and the manager's not backing him, mm. then then he then he's, he's really shouting into the wind, isn't he? It's a, Chelsea's sort of like striker situation has been strange since Abramovich has really come in there, wasn't it? Because, you know, you look at the, the signings like Torres, Shevchenko, Morata, Werner, Lukaku, like so many big name, big strikers have come into Chelsea and absolutely done nothing. And it's just like, I, I, it's at the point now where it almost seems like too much of a coincidence that They'll sign a big name striker who's absolutely tore it up everywhere they've been. They'll go to Chelsea and do absolutely nothing and, and <laughs> have a bit of a stinker. And it's almost it's just a, I just find it like a bizarre that that players will go there and and effectively turn to to, to a bit of a, a a joke really and a bit of a comedy striker. And it's I think I agree with Paul. I think it just doesn't get spoken enough about that that Lukaku cost a hundred million pounds in the summer and was was you know. The, the thing that was going to propel Chelsea to the league title and yet yeah, here we are in February and he's having seven touches in a game. How much money are they going to get back though? For, for, the character, for, for an out-of-form 30-year-old striker, how much are they going to get back? I mean, unless it's Adam Milan and he knows he can deliver, you know, and they might be able to pay, pay some of that price tag, but I can't think of a club in the world that's going to pay anywhere near that for Lukaku to get him from Chelsea. Barcelona I mean, <laughs> Barcelona went to Yeah, yeah. a good point. But I think the, uh, they've been doing a wee bit of shrewd business. They've done a wee bit of shrewd business, you know? <laughs> I think the Inter Milan... <laughs> I think the Inter Milan CEO came out, or so, someone high up in Inter Milan, and said, we got 100 million for Lukaku, replaced him with Edin Dzeko, and you can't see a difference on the pitch. <laughs> so, so whether they would yeah. go for... go back in for him... You you just don't know, really. Well, I'm doubtful. Doubtful at the minute. Doubtful at the minute. Um, next, we're going to come to what was voted in our polls anyway, the, the game of the, the match week. Manchester City hosted Tottenham uh, and they, they lost for the first time in the league in quite a long time. Um, Jed, I'm going to come to you, mate. What were your thoughts on the match? Fair play to Spurs. Um, I thought it was a, a bit of a Conte masterclass, really. Um, they 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 really... <laughs> hurt Man City when they got forward and that's you know that's how you beat Man City isn't it um, as well as obviously keeping them out they, they made it difficult for them when Man City were on the attack and, and then on the counter they hurt them um, so yeah all credit to Spurs I think they on on the face of it probably deserved the win um, Harry Kane put in a, a top performance from Harry Kane that was probably his best performance of the season um, 100% dropping in he's he, 
played Son through for the first goal and then obviously he was instrumental in the second half with the goals. Um, yeah, fair play to him. He I mean, looks like Harry Kane, didn't he? Yeah. He, <laughs> for the first statement of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, first I think, season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Spurs are becoming a wee bit of a bogey team. For, for Manchester City, you know, not too long ago, they knocked Manchester City out of the Champions League. They'd beaten a few times since then. You know, obviously beat Manchester City mm. with Spurs. Josie beat Manchester City with Spurs. Done the and double. Conte has season. as well. Yeah, done the double on Manchester City, which is, mm. which is no easy feat. I don't know if they're just kind of set, or maybe the, Ma- the Manchester Cities have, you know, memories of being beat by Spurs and it kind of gets to them a wee bit before they step onto the pitch. I'm not too sure. Um, Jakey Boy, what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I. It was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because I agree with you. I think you know Spurs have almost become that little bogey side, and, and Man City almost can't cope with with, with Kane and Son when they go for them, which you know makes a lot of sense why why obviously Man City wanted Harry Kane in, in the summer. And I think I think it's just a bit poetic, isn't it, that they chased him all year and he's the one to gun them gun them down now. And um, but I thought. Uh, I thought Man City were, were okay, but they just they just weren't weren't themselves, and I think it, it's a, it's just a, a bit of a blip for them. But it'd be interesting to see how you know I'm saying how they get on next week. But they've got Everton, so they're gonna absolutely turn them over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be that'll be a foregone conclusion. <laughs> yeah, there's no, 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 they no may as well not even play that match. They'll bounce back. They may as well not even play that match. I should. Uh, uh, no one needs to see it, you know. <laughs> should be written off. Um, uh, it was always. It was always hard. No, it, it was. It was. It was the. Dra- I was just about to say that the the drama of the, you know, the the third goal being disallowed and and so oh. scoring and the was it ninety ninety yeah. the penalty and, uh, you know, everyone was oh it's so spursy it's so spursy and then. Obviously, the the drama at the end of the goal, at the other end, and, and, and Kane knocks it in, and I don't think I've celebrated a, a Harry Kane goal like that ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. What a header! What a header that is! <laughs> Broke the force for Fisher's yeah, heart. It was fantastic. Billy, I'll cover you because no one, <laughs> no one yeah. hates refs more than you. You've oh. seen the the force of Fisher. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's quite tinfoil hatish to kind of point it out, but it's, it's plain as day. That fourth official was gutted, and I was like, "Who's yeah. a fucking Manchester City fan?" It's a fourth official. <laughs> you know, they're all old as fuck. They don't remember. Them. Like, you know, they just remember like, like Manchester City being like. <laughs> I, my thoughts about referees are probably best kept to myself. <laughs> I don't give a hell of a bit anybody that hates refs as much as you. You despise referees. <laughs> I, I can't even talk about them without getting angry. I think I think but, despise um, is an understatement as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's putting it lightly. I mean, you should see, you should yeah. see our group chat, ladies and gentlemen. It's, uh, it's not pretty when Billy's on one. <laughs> you see, you've seen it a few times. What? I say a few times this season, but it always seems to be the case, especially with Man City. It's like the fourth officials just want Man City to win and that they just want them to win the league with so many decisions. Stop that, it. Stop the, 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 one that, the, one, the one that stands out, the one that stands out, the one that stands out is the, the, the penalty... The penalty that no, I'm just talking about referees in general. The Wolves penalty that Man City's oh, got gonna is say. a fucking disgrace. <laughs> but this is uh, 
I was going to say, you can't blame the folk I was going to say, we almost made an episode that wasn't going to get labelled explicit by Spotify, but uh, Billy went and ruined it. Bleep it out. I mean, you did poke the bear with a stick. I did, yeah. I did. With a big long stick. I was was like, go on, say something mad. (laughs) Um, There was a contender. As a punishment. As a punishment for for swearing, we should make Billy go and referee a game, and, uh, and <laughs> guarantee I'll do a better job than every single one of them. Guarantee I'll do a better job than every what? single one of them. See, when you say a game, Jed, do you mean a Premier League game? Because I think you might be overestimating our influence. <laughs> well, we'll we can build him up. Build him up. Yeah, we'll start. We'll start him in League Two. Yeah, get him in Stockley Park. Yeah. <laughs> put a mic on him as well. Put, put, put me on a Villa game as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Martin Tyler uh, to have to apologise for any swear words. There was a contender for Game of the Weekend, boys. Um, Leeds hosted Manchester United uh, and they, they made... Almost a comeback, and I think they took some of Spurs, Spurs, Spursy Spursiness, and threw it away because it almost like was they, they they came back within oh, like a two minute period, and then they they went and threw it away, and it just like when you do that, it kind of almost feels written in the stars that you're going to get something from the game. Um, Paul, come back to you, mate. What were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, well, first half was all right. I thought uh, there wasn't much between the teams, and then United scored the two goals. Uh, I think. What was it? United hadn't scored a set piece all season or something like that, or Maguire hadn't. They hadn't scored in like four million corners or something. The exact yeah. stat, yeah. Thirty nine it was, and then the hundred and forty if they scored. <laughs> um, so yeah, then I thought game over, and then it just came to life, didn't it? Those two goals. That's just criminal. I'd say Keane in the studio was going absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's just like how can you how can you concede a goal that quickly after you have tip off yourself? Um, so yeah then the game came to life and that's just mental you just never think you'll see Fred come on and change the game and score the like important goal I swear to God I swear to God Fred never did a thing until I had an argument saying he was garbage (laughs) and ever ever since then that moment that fucking moment it it was mid game I said it as well it was in a game where he'd done nothing and ever since then he's turned into fucking Iniesta it's ridiculous everything I say no matter how logical it is just seems to just blow up in my fucking face <laughs> you know what? If it, if it makes you feel now like it's that, definitely got the explicit logo. It, yeah, yeah. I knew it was gone. If, if, it, gone anyway. if, it, if it makes you feel any better, and Billy will thank me for this as well, Melier probably should have done better with that Fred goal at the near post. Um, however, that's the only goal that Melier should have done better with, Billy. Oh, we should probably have this out because Billy and Jake. Don't really rate Melee, but I think he's actually he's not a bad keeper. I don't think I think he's beat his near post twice in a match that's that's pretty ridiculous. But I, I think I've seen him make some big saves. Paul, you were kinda you you don't think yeah, he's terrible, I, do you? I think he's decent plays. I think he's good enough for Leeds. Tw- yeah, he's twenty two, <laughs> very young. But I think he's got like I'd say he'll be French number one in the next five years or else in the future, sometime. Yeah. Like he's very highly rated. Yeah. 
And I know Billy knows a lot about football, but I also know Bielsa probably knows a little bit more. So I'm willing to trust his opinion. <laughs> yeah. he, no, Billy, Billy's right. Billy's right. He he does make some dodgy. He makes some dodgy decisions. I think his kicking's a little bit off a lot sometimes. But like as I said, he's got a higher who scored rating than Martinez, and you wank over Martinez every day. So like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, I was going to defend him in the group chat, but he was having a particularly <laughs> bad game. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, yeah, it was a was, terrible time. <laughs> <in that game. laughs> I understand that, but still. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, boys. Jed, I'll come to you. What, what were your thoughts on the match? Oh, it was just like a great advert for the Premier League. <laughs> hey, it was oh, coming yeah. at some point. There it is. There it is. It just, there it is. It just was. It was just a bit, it's a bit bonkers, weren't it? Like there was pouring down with rain that was making things a bit more difficult. Yeah. There was, there was free, free goals coming in from crosses and absolute carnage in the, the home end when Leeds equalised and it was just like, it was just great entertainment. So, um, you know, I wasn't expecting Leeds to, to get anything from it. Um, you know, United just have a bit more of not they? And, and obviously that showed in the end. But, but yeah, great entertainment. I loved it for as a, from a neutral perspective. thought it was class. Mm. Jaden Sancho seems to be just, just about finding his feet. He's not as, he's not as sort of, now he's getting a run of games, he's not as sort of like completely out of form. I don't think he's particularly amazing, but he's... He's having more influence in the game than he, than he, than he was in previous matches. Jake, it's a, it's a player we've admired before in person. Mm. Um, what, were your thought, what were your thoughts? Give us your thoughts on Jaden Sancho. Yeah, I think he's he's starting to... I think the, the the key thing you said then, mate, was he's starting to get a bit of a run of, run of games. And, you know, when he was signed, he, he didn't... You know, he, they sort of, sort of started to bed him in slowly and then he was in and out of the side and, you know, his form wasn't the best. But a player like that, you know, a confidence player... He's got he got to be starting him and, and we're starting to see, you know, that, that come alive. And I thought he was brilliant against Leeds. I thought every time he got on the ball he looked dangerous and you know, he knew what he wanted to do and and, and, and yeah, I I'd like you say, you know, we've we've admired Sancho for a long time and it did pain me to see him go to United. Yeah, we have dreamed of him um, going to Liverpool, didn't we? He is <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um but he is he is, you know, he's starting to to look look the player that I think a lot of people knew he was, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't. I don't know if he, if he's, if he is the the, the right player for that for that side. Though, I just there's something in the back of my mind that that just sort of says I don't think he's right for them. But I, I, you know, I'm obviously a bit a bit biased in that as well. But yeah, I, he, he, I, I, I can't really put my foot on like my foot on it on how on how he has been this season because you know by all accounts he's been a flop. You know for the money they spent on him, but. Is it his fault? Probably not. You know, Solskjaer wasn't playing him to get the best out of him, and and Ranić now is. I mean, what do you do? Do you, do you think? Is, I think. Is I think that Manchester United group of players is rotten to the core. By the way, I just mm. I think there's a lot that goes wrong yeah. in that dressing room. I don't think that helps either. I don't think that helps either. Yeah, to their capabilities, and I don't know why that is. I think there's divides in the dressing room. I think it's like it doesn't seem to be gelling, and they don't seem to work for each other, and they. I've, it's been a long time since I've seen a player go to Manchester United and get better. 
like a genuine, genuinely yeah. improve their game. It just seems to be a pattern of players with promising futures go there, um, or players that are considered among the best players ever to play the game go there, and, and they're, they're just they're not the same. You know, it doesn't matter if it's like Jaden Sancho or Donny Van de Beek or Cristiano Ronaldo. It seems that players go there and they they, they seem to drop off in form or whatever or whatever performances they were delivering before that. But um, it's a strange one. I can't quite I can't quite put it down to one sort of element, but I just feel like. There's a rotten sort of core and that dressing room that's been there for too long, and the maybe the staff as well that's been there for too long. They need to really mm. Ryan Nick, I think, when he steps back. I think he wanted the job. I don't think he's going to get it. I think that's a foregone conclusion. He's he's not getting that job. Mm. I think maybe when he steps back to a sort of outside role, it'll be easier for him to do what he did in previous roles, and maybe he can help guide that mm. from an outside perspective when he's up in a sort of boss sort of office chair <laughs> where he can just kind of say right this is this isn't working and he can kind of make decisions from the outside a lot of times it's, it's easier to make decisions from the outside when you don't have any sort of emotional link to the players you can make you can go in and make a decision and leave and you don't have to see that person the next day so <laughs> it becomes becomes a wee bit easier um but other than that no i, I can't really put my finger on it mate anyway boys mm. i think we're, we're getting to the hour point so that means we have to finish up um, the other game that we missed out was um, Wolves played Leicester City. Wolves won. It was an particularly amazing game. <laughs> Go watch the highlights. Um, I'm sure you'll get by with it. Um, the streamers <laughs> on it. Um, but boys, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a very, very good show. Pleasure as always, mate. Thank Cheers. you very much. And uh, thank you very much Pleasure. to the audience for, for tuning in and downloading the episode. It really does help us out. Uh, make sure you subscribe and whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, and we will see you on the next one. Cheerio, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.